0: Father in heaven, we thank you for this day that you've given to us, that we can come and to study your word. Thank you, Lord, for seeing us safely through this past week. Thank you, Lord, for giving us your word, that you might guide us as a light in a dark place through this time. Help us, Lord, to learn important lessons that that you've hidden in your word for us today. I pray that you'll illumine our hearts and minds and give us your spirit to teach us and to guide us, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. We are continuing our studies in the series of wilderness wanderings as the Israelites have come out from Egypt and they are moving towards Canaan. And we are looking at family dissensions today. The complaining from the children of Israel and the punishment from God has just passed. Moses had barely a moment to breathe when another trial arises to confront him. We read in Numbers chapter 12 and verses 1 and 2. Numbers 12 verses 1 and 2. And Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. For he had married an Ethiopian woman. And they said, Hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Hath he not spoken also by us? And the Lord heard it. You know, to have the children of Israel murmur against and complain against Moses was one thing, but to have his brother and sister come and complain against him now would have caused more pain because it struck closer to home. The trials that Moses had to bear, he was shouldering it alongside with Aaron many times, but this time Aaron and Miriam are the ones that are coming out to complain against him. Even though Aaron was there to support him so many times, he had seen the the complaining of the children of Israel, he now, in union with his sister, are speaking against their brother, Moses. And, you know, when you look at these comments, when you look at this text, to some extent, it sounds racist, doesn't it? They were speaking out against his wife, Zipporah, and they called her her, an Ethiopian woman or a Cushite woman. Moses had not married an Israelite. He had married outside of the children of Israel. However, even though Zipporah was not of the children of Israel, she and her father were worshippers Of the true God. We saw this earlier in our studies when Jethro, the father in law, came out to meet Moses. But it was obvious that um, Aaron and Miriam did not take much liking to her because of her racial background, especially with the position that Moses was in. It seemed like they were jealous for their brother's welfare. At least that's what it appears to be, isn't it? For some reason they're picking on Zipporah and her background. But what did they say at the end there? Did you see it? They said, Hath the Lord spoken only by Moses? Hath he not spoken also by us as well? You know, talking about Zipporah, but then has God only spoken through Moses? These two don't really seem related in any way, does it? Where I mean, what would Moses marrying a non-Israelite have anything to do with God speaking not only to Moses, but also to them? Well, who was Aaron and Miriam? Obviously, they were brother and sister to Moses. Miriam was the oldest, and Aaron came in second, and Moses was the last, the youngest. Both alongside Moses, had been involved with the deliverance of the Israelites from Egyptian bondage. Let me show you. In Micah chapter 6, verse 4, we read, For I brought thee up out of the land of Egypt, and redeemed thee out of the house of servants, and I sent before thee Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. Do you see that? not just moses but even arian aaron and miriam were mentioned here in micah miriam was the one that at a young age that that she stood there watching that little basket that was in the river that held moses when um, the pharaoh ordered all the boys to be killed and thrown into the water he was she was the one that was watching over this little brother of hers And she also was the one that was chosen out of God's people to lead the ladies in singing when they came out from Egypt and when God had closed the Red Sea upon them. Look at this. In Exodus chapter 15 and verse 20, And Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a timbrel in her hand, and all the women went out after her with timbrel and with dances. She was leading the children of Israel, the women, in a victorious song praising God. But notice it also said there that she was a prophetess she was endowed with the gift of prophecy and was one of those that led out in all this praising and and thanksgiving to god she held a prominent position in israel aaron of course was the high priest the second in command and pretty much the right hand of moses the right hand man to so both of them were committed large and great positions of responsibility and leadership, and the direction of Israel. So why is it that Aaron and Miriam say such a thing to murmur against Moses? Well, what happened in the previous chapter that we just studied in our previous study? The children of Israel, remember, they were complaining again. They were complaining about food and how they missed the food in Egypt. Do you remember that? Moses had gotten so upset that he was asking God to kill him because he couldn't take their complaining anymore. And so what did God do? He asked Moses to choose 70 men, 70 elders from the children of Israel, and he would take some of his spirit that was on Moses and put it on the 70 elders. Do you remember that? And it seemed like Miriam and Aaron were not consulted. Maybe they were wondering why they didn't receive the Spirit from Moses, but it most likely reminded them of what had happened earlier. You see, Jethro, the father-in-law of Moses, which was Zipporah's wife, had come to meet the children of Israel after their deliverance from the Egyptians to return his wife and his children back to Moses. But upon seeing the burden that rested upon Moses that he carried every day, he was sitting there judging the people from morning until evening. He didn't even have time for his family. All this incessant work and toil he knew would burn him out. So Jethro, the father-in-law, gave a suggestion to put people in charge of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. And then only the hard matters would be brought to him. This suggestion was given and also accepted without any counsel from Miriam and Aaron, making them feel that their position and authority had probably been ignored. And so the connection with with them murmuring against Sibora and also why God had not spoken to them were most likely linked in this way. You see, they were jealous for their own position and pride had filled their hearts. And so they began to murmur, murmur about Moses' wife and murmur about Moses himself. They were trying to put themselves in the same position as Moses, their little brother. However, what does the Bible describe about Moses when when they come out and murmur against him? What does the Bible say next? Numbers chapter 12 and verse 3. Now the man, Moses, was very meek above all men which were upon the face of the earth. The Bible says Moses was what? He was meek, very meek. And that word meek means gentle and humble and quiet. The very characteristics that he learnt while being a shepherd in the wilderness, taking care of sheep for 40 years. And a characteristic that was so needed to lead the children of Israel. And we're going to come back to this characteristic in a moment. But though Miriam and Aaron come to murmur against Moses, it is actually God that stands up to respond. Let's keep reading in Numbers chapter 12, And now verses 4 to 8. And the Lord spake suddenly unto Moses and unto Aaron and unto Miriam, Come out ye three unto the tabernacle of the congregation. And the three came out. And the Lord came down in the pillar of the cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam, and they both came forth. And he said, Hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision and will speak unto him in a dream. My servant Moses is not so, who is faithful in all mine house. With him will I speak mouth to mouth, even apparently, and not in dark speeches. And the similitude of the Lord shall he behold. Wherefore then were ye not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? You see, God, he comes in defense of Moses. First, he talks about a prophet. If there's a prophet among them, God would come and make himself known to them in what? In visions and in dreams. Remember, Miriam is a prophetess. So God is talking about her. Yes, a prophet is a high honor. It's a high calling. She was in a high and exalted position. There are not many prophets out there. There were probably more priests than there were prophets. So definitely God is singling out Miriam. She was the oldest and maybe even the instigator of this murmuring and somewhat rebellion against Moses. However, God does not stop there. You see, he gives a contrast to that of a prophet and to Moses. And he exalts Moses far above that of a prophet. You see, Moses was more than a prophet. God would not speak to him in visions and dreams. God says, I speak to Moses face to face, mouth to mouth, directly. God was exalting the position of Moses far above that of Miriam. Remember what Aaron and Miriam had said? Has God only spoken by Moses, has he not spoken also by us as well? How come we weren't consulted in the forming of the seventy elders and the governance of Israel? But you see, God is telling them that though Moses was their younger brother, he held a far more prominent and important and exalted position than they ever held, even added together. They were not even closely on the same level. And then God concludes by warning them to be very careful what they were to speak against Moses. You know, this holds such an important lesson for us today. We must be so careful what we speak and who we speak against. God is the one that raises up kings. He's the one that removes kings. He's the one that puts people into positions and allows them to be there. And so we must be so careful not to murmur against those who are our leaders, especially in the church. God is the one that allows them, even though you might not agree, even though you might have no idea how they were chosen, even though they might even be your family member or your younger brother or younger sister. To be put in a position of leadership in the church is not something that we ourselves decide. It is up to the hand of God. Even though, yes, we have nominating committees and we have people that that form these committees to choose leaders for the church, friends, remember, God always is the one that's in control. People will have opinions, yes. They will have their own thoughts and their own ways, but let us not be on the side where we're found murmuring against those that God has put in leadership positions. You know, even when David, King David, he was running for his life. Why? King Saul was hunting him. At this time, Samuel had already anointed David to be king of Israel, even though Saul was still sitting on the throne. And then now Saul is jealous, he's envious, he's angry, he's hateful, and he's chasing after David to hunt him and to want to kill him. And so David is running for his life, but then comes an opportunity where David and Saul are put in such a position where David has his opportunity to kill him. But when that arises, look at what happens. First Samuel 24 in verse 6, And he said unto his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing unto my Master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch forth my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. You see, the soldiers just told David, 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 this is the opportunity. This is a chance that God has given to us. Let's smite him. All I need is just one shot and he'll die. But David, what did he do? He called King Saul the Lord's anointed, even though it was clear that he was the one anointed to take his position one day. David was careful not to hurt him or even to kill him. And that wasn't the only time he had the opportunity. He had two opportunities to kill King Saul. You must remember, King Saul was hunting the life of David. But yet David trusted in the Lord's timing for God to work out the situation for him at the appointed time. He knew he was going to be king. But yet God said, it's not that time. It's not that time. You see that? And friends, it is often difficult for us to wait upon the Lord, we wonder why God he allowed certain people to be in certain positions. we wonder why God allowed this situation to happen and we begin to murmur and we begin to complain. but we must remember that it is God that allowed such a thing to take place. God was the one that had chosen Moses and chose to put his spirit upon him and for Aaron and Miriam to murmur, they were murmuring against God and so God had to stand up in vindication of his choice in choosing Moses you know I think it's important to understand clearly whether we are envious for the cause of God or sometimes whether we are hurt and envious in our own for, for our own selves because of our pride we've we got to make sure that we're not found on the wrong side we got to make sure that truly we have God's honor in mind and heart. But it was very clear that Aaron and Miriam, they were envious for themselves because they had not been consulted, because they had not been asked. And so they think, looking at their younger brother, how could it be that God passed us by? Why did Moses not think of us? And you see, it was at this time the the character of meekness was displayed in the life of Moses. A characteristic that is so important for us today as well. You know, friends, what does the Bible say about the meek? Look at this, Psalms 25 and verse nine. The Bible says, the meek will he guide in judgment and the meek will he teach his way. God will guide the meek and God will teach the meek his way. The reason that God is able to do this is that the meek are those who are teachable and are willing to be instructed. You see, it's our attitude and our character. Such people have a sincere desire to know God and to do the will of God, and they're willing to wait upon God. That no matter what the situation is, no matter the situation that arises, they can trust God. Moses had high plans to lead the children of Israel out at the age of 40. He was a general in the Egyptian army. And he knew that God had, had saved and preserved his life for a very important reason. And so he was going to take them out by warfare. But he kills that man and he has to run. And for 40 years, he's taking care of sheep in the wilderness. As if the whole plan that he had was totally destroyed. Almost as if God had said, Moses, you got it wrong. I didn't call you at all, you see. And so he learnt meekness in the wilderness. He learnt to be nobody. And it's only then God could begin to use him, you see. But what else do we know about meekness in the Bible? Let's keep reading. James chapter one and verse five. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. You know, friends, if we actually realize that we lack wisdom, If we're humble and meek enough to see that we don't know it all, then God can lead us. He can give us the wisdom that is needed for every situation, but we have to be willing to ask. We must humble ourselves enough to be taught and guided by God. God cannot lead those who are too proud to be taught and who are bent on having their own way. One more thing that we see about those that are meek Matthew chapter 5 and verse 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Such an important characteristic is highlighted even there in the Beatitudes. And so friends, if, if meekness is such an important characteristic, how can we be meek today? How? Let's go to another Bible text. Matthew eleven, twenty-eight. 28 and twenty nine. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. If we want to be meek, friends, we got to go to Christ, we got to learn of Him we got to sit at the feet of jesus we got to spend time beholding his glory and reading his life in his word we must be transformed into that same image we got to spend time with him we got to learn of him we got to go to him and that's that's usually the most difficult part especially when you've put in a high position even in church we think that, oh, we must be someone holy. We must be someone good. That's the reason why people, that they, they chose me, right? But friends, we've got to continue to be humble, continue to be meek, continue to seek God, continue to store up His Word in our hearts, continue to learn of Christ each and every day. That is how we can be meek. Yes, even though Moses was in such an exalted position, even though he had seen God face to face, even though his face, every time he spent time with God, it shone with the glory of God. He remained meek and humble and teachable. And so coming back to this story, how does God respond after this? Let's go back to Numbers chapter 12. And now we read verses 9 and 10. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them. And he departed, and the cloud departed from off the tabernacle. And behold, Miriam became leprous, white as snow. And Aaron looked upon Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. God, he strikes Miriam with leprosy. God basically pronounced a death sentence On her. And and we can see that she was probably the main instigator between the two of them. Remember, she was older than she was older than Aaron. She was the oldest in the family. And so the reason why God probably strikes her with leprosy is because she was probably the one that was complaining and murmuring against Moses, and it affected Aaron as well. But straightway, Aaron realizes their folly, and he turns to Moses. And look at what he says. Verse 11 and 12 of Numbers 12. And Aaron said unto Moses, Alas, my Lord, I beseech thee, lay not the sin upon us, where we have done foolishly and wherein we have sinned. Let her not be as one dead, of whom the flesh is half consumed, when he cometh out of his mother's womb. Notice, how does Aaron address Moses? He calls him what? He calls him lord which is master he quickly realizes his place and position and he begs moses to heal miriam he begs moses to intercede to god to heal her and you know up to this point up to this point we have not heard a single word from moses he's been silent all this time, an important lesson that when even accusations come against us, sometimes, friends, the best thing to do is just to be quiet, just to be silent. Difficult, I know, especially when you are not the one in the wrong, especially when you have done anything wrong. You're innocent. But yet now Moses, for the first time, he speaks. Numbers chapter 12 and verse 13. And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, Heal her now, O God, I beseech thee. Moses immediately cries out for the healing of his sister. Some might have called this love for his sister, but you must remember that they have just been murmuring against him. This is the meekness of Moses shining through. He did not take it personally. He did not hold a grudge in his heart. All he had was a love for the people and a love even for those that were murmuring against him, his brother and his sister, even though they'd spoken against his wife. You know, this was the lesson that was so important to learn before he could lead the children of Israel. It wasn't leadership skills, or knowing how to manage teams or meetings, or knowing how to organize a nation properly, that Moses needed to learn that when leading the children of Israel. If that was the case, he would have been ready at the age of 40 because he was a general in the army. He knew about management. He knew about leadership. But what did he need to learn? He needed to learn about meekness and forgiveness, a forgiving spirit, unconditional love for the erring and a non-retaliatory spirit. And so he cries out to God to help those who have just murmured against him. How does God respond Numbers chapter 12, verses 14 to 16. And the Lord said unto Moses, If her father had but spit in her face, she should not be ashamed. Should she not be ashamed seven days? Let her be shut out from the camp seven days, and after that let her be received in again. And Miriam was shut out from the camp seven days, and the people journeyed not till Miriam was brought in again. And afterward, the people removed from Hazaroth and pitched in the wilderness of Paran. Miriam would be healed, but she would be shut out from the camp for seven days because of her leprosy. The whole camp of Israel would wait for her to return before they moved on. Everyone would know of the act of murmuring and of God's displeasure. It was a warning to everyone to be careful in how they would speak against Moses and his position and his authority and speaking out against the leadership in general. You see, if the spirit of discontent and murmuring had not been held in check with Aaron and Miriam, it would have been spread over the camp quickly like wildfire. Why? Because Aaron and Miriam were in such an exalted position. And so that is why God had to resort to such measures to hold in check the wrong spirit that would pervade over the camp. And so this murmuring against leadership and those that God has called to act as his ambassadors is a serious lesson for us to learn today. You see, in Second Peter chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, look at this. But chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government. Presumptuous are they, self-willed, they are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. Whereas angels, which are greater in power and might, bring not railing accusations against them before the Lord. What is second Peter saying here? We must be careful not to speak against dignities, against those in authoritative positions, even the angels in heaven dare not to say such things. Do you see that? And even those in church, we must be careful as well. 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 19. Against an elder receive not an accusation, but before two Or three witnesses. You know, friends, we must be so careful how we treat God's servants and those whom He has ordained. We are to honor those whom God has honored. Let us be careful with our tongues today. We can do great good with it, but we can do great harm as well. We must be so careful not to gossip, not to murmur, not to complain, especially against those in leadership positions. God has not put us there. Let us just be thankful for where God has placed us. Let's not allow the pride to rise up and cause us to go against the will of God. Sometimes, I shouldn't say sometimes, all the time there are people that won't agree. But how will we be able to work together? That's the important thing. Let us learn to put aside ourself, put aside our pride, put aside our authority, our background, whatever it is that we think that makes us to put ourselves in such a high position, and let us learn to think of others better than ourselves. Easier said than done, isn't it? But it's still a warning for all of us today. God is telling us those in leadership positions In the church, they are not only hit by strong temptations from within, from those that would murmur, but when you stand on a mountaintop, friends, that's where the strongest winds blow. Let's use our mouths and our tongues to pray for our leaders, to pray that God would work through them. Even though they might not be the men or women of our choice, God can still do great and mighty things if we would pray for our leaders today. May God help us to that end, that we might unify our church, that we might be united as a people, that we might move forward with the grace of God and His Spirit beside each of us. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for our leaders today that you've given to us. Forgive us, Lord, where we found ourselves speaking against you speaking against the men and women whom you have put in these positions. Help us, O Lord, that we might know how to move forward unitedly in faith together as brothers and sisters in Christ. Help us to be careful of our tongues, Lord. Help us to be careful that we won't be found fighting against you. Give us, Lord, your words. Give us your mind. Give us your spirit today and help us, Lord, that we might use our words and our tongues to uplift, to heal, to unite, and especially to speak your words of truth. For you pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, friends. Thanks for joining us this evening. May God bless each and every one of you. May God give you a very blessed Sabbath. And until we meet again, we'll see you next time. God bless and be with you. Bye for now.